So we're officially in that dead zone of time between Christmas and New Year's Eve. And I read a tweet about it a couple days ago. And it's just so, just so right. So, so, so fucking correct. And everyone should live their life by this. But this is the period of time, December 26th through the 31st. It's after Christmas. It's right before New Year's. It's days before you get to start your, you know, your new life or whatever happens on January 1st that you should be the most unproductive human being on the face of the earth. Like, just be gluttonous, eat whatever you want. The diet starts on Monday. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And it's, we we actually mentioned it on last week's pod and it's so fucking true. There's just a a point of December that a lot of people just, just straight up, just give up. And I, it's, it's, it's both destructive, but it's also like, very relaxing in a way like they, I, 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 there, there's a point in December where I just surrender to the gluttony. It's just like, should I have that whiskey? Yeah, I'm going to have that whiskey. Sh- sh- should I have that? Should I have that ice cream or should I have that cheeseburger? Yep. I'm going to have that ice cream. I'm that cheeseburger. Why? Because my new life starts on Monday. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what, what are you guys' thoughts about this beautiful gap week we're in? Shoot, I've been saying uh, diet starts Monday since Thanksgiving. I feel like it's just a nonstop bender and just waiting for it to end or keep it going in this case tonight. So I'm going to keep the ball rolling with a little bit of Ron Zacapa well, on the rocks. Kurt, you're you're definitely the most in shape guy at, in our entire podcast. Uh, one thing I'll say is you've had a you have a pregnant wife now. Um, has that affected your diet at all? Because, uh, for me, I didn't get a lot of hunger or I didn't get a lot of, uh, sympathy pains. I got a lot of sympathy hungers where I just decided <laughs> where I, w- when my wife was pregnant, I just decided to turn into a pregnant woman with her. Have you had any of that syndrome? <laughs> I would say I might be the one taking full advantage of it more than Steph. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's had one, uh, craving and it was Texas roadhouse. And I must say, it was one of the best freaking meals I've had in my life. Texas Roadhouse for the win all day. Bro, Texas Roadhouse is fucking awesome. Derek, have you ever... When's the last time you've been to a Texas... Dude, Texas Roadhouse, Roadhouse is it's like one of the most... It's been a minute, but I... Now that you said that, all I can think about is those fucking biscuits. Bro. Like the the bread with the, the cinnamon sugar... Oh, the steak like underrated, man. I'm telling you, the whole meal, and then it came out. Normally, Steph and I go out. Bill's racking up to like 250 at least. Now she's not drinking any booze, and we finish up the tab, and I think it was like 50 bucks at the end of the night. It couldn't have been freaking better. Full-on steak, baked potato, the whole works. I, I was going to say, I thought you said 250 at first, and I was like, what would it take to rack up a $250 bill at, at Texas Roadhouse? And that's the best part. Like, you could go out, you have to order like 10 ribeyes. It's like the, uh, <laughs> it's like that that joke menu item at Hooters, the uh, 10 wings and a bottle of Dom Perignon. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually will do that for you, though. Oh, they hundred percent will, but yeah. like, it's a you know, it's a joke. Like, oh. they probably do like what two of those a year? Totally a joke. Um, and yes, uh, and Hooters, dude, that that great great point. Hooters is a place that I would only eat during this week, this little gap week. Any other time, Hooters seems like a fucking just weird thing to do, but during this gap week, nah. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go to Hooters. The greasiest Daytona wings. Daytona Beach Wings, man. Dude, Daytona they're good. Beach wings. Daytona Beach Wings. That's the wings best are good. ones. Yes. And those just By came far. out. Those just came out like ten years ago. And I remember when they first dropped at Hooters. Like it was just a game changer. But Hooters wings, 
they're pretty decent, but it's something that you definitely indulge in on your gap week. So Derek, no Derek, what any any just ridiculously uh, uh, gluttonous things you've done uh, since Christmas or before Christmas? Well, how's your December going? Uh, it's going pretty good. I've I've watched an obscene amount of movies at home, <laughs> like just like trying to the best I can to like become one with my couch yes. and just used to it and just watch I've watched an obscene number oh. of movies. I've probably watched five movies in the last like two days. Bro, when it's cold outside though, when it's cold outside and uh, the coolest thing about when it's cold outside is like you can you you can just sit around watching Lord of the Rings like the extended version, Return the director's the cut, no, dude. <laughs> and watch the ch- the commentary after. Oh, guys, I'm still chipping away at the Peter Jackson uh, extended versions of Lord of the Rings, and they are girthy, brother. Yeah. They are. Oh yeah, I, girthy. I watched them a few months back. They're big time, dude. You got to be committed full on, and this is definitely a week to do it. Yep. But what I love about them is you can just sit there watch an hour and a half of <laughs> deleted scenes because like the first hour of Return of the King for. Uh, Lord of the Rings is like straight up deleted scenes. The all the Saruman that they just completely eliminated from the original theatrical yeah. release. And then what I love about the cold outside is you can literally just pop out your back door and it's cold and it like immediately like almost energizes you. You feel like you've been outside all day. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even feel bad about it. Nope. <laughs> well, you know who's not having a good gap week? It's a Newman segue. <laughs> Nathaniel fucking Hackett. Um, dude, I mean, we all saw it coming. We've been talking about it probably every every single pod, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I just want to ask you guys, now that Nathaniel Hackett is fiery hot, finally fired, where does he rank in terms of your worst overall coach hires of all time? Dude, I, I've got it to say he's got to be, if not number one, he's got to be number two right up there with our boy Urban Meyer in Duval. Uh, he, he's got to be up there contending for it, man, because this was a recipe. You know, normally coaches coming in can say, hey, I didn't have my quarterback. I don't have my guy. I don't have this this team. My defense sucks, whatever. You can make excuses for the guy to at least get him a few years under his belt. But this team was built, primed, and ready to go for the Super Bowl. The defense uh, showed that this year because they played extremely well. Uh, that offense just fell flat on its fucking face. And whether you want to blame Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett, blame them both. I don't know. Get them both out of town. But I'm surprised it took this long for Hackett, honestly, to get get the boot. For real, though. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there for me. Um, top you can't put it ahead of urban i think urban's the worst can, can um, you name anyone else i'm curious about that can you name anyone worse than urban uh, worse worse than or not as bad as urban but worse than hackett i mean do we include the josh daniels indianapolis colts then <laughs> of the uh i think, I, I think it's it relevant half a plane, it was like a plane ride it's like 12 hours long yeah yeah uh i mean that one's pretty embarrassing um everywhere jeff fisher's ever been is pretty embarrassing <laughs> how long that's yes. like continued on yep just flying under the radar of absolute mediocrity like sub mediocrity honestly the guy's so bad and he just skated under the radar forever uh the the worst thing would be is saying the rams just being so freaking committed to that guy for so many years in a row at least the titans can say they had their one super bowl run year against the rams and you could kind of give them that excuse but the rams i don't, I don't know what gives them that excuse and i don't i think i said rams twice but the titans uh, but the Rams, they have no excuse of Fisher there. Well, Kurt, uh, and then the Gruden Oakland yeah. or slash Las Vegas run for sure. 
Yeah, and you know what? So uh, I, I I bring this uh, list up almost facetiously because someone actually named or actually developed a list, and I think it's pretty spot on. But holy shit, Derek, I didn't even think about it. Gruden is 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 shockingly absent from this list, so I'm just going to name it off. Number one, Urban Meyer. Number two, Hugh Jackson with the Browns. I dude. <laughs> there might yeah that was a bad one straight up Hugh Jackson might rival Urban Meyer because he his his train wreck lasted multiple seasons and I think what did he win like three games in three seasons it, it was wild one of the worst coaching tenures of all time a uh, number three Nate Hackett uh number four Adam Gase Jets five Joe Judge woof uh, six Gus Bradley seven Jeff Fisher and in, in parentheses it says Rams a good Good little call out there. Mike Markey with the Jaguars. Uh, I think I think that's what's what's wrong with this list, but I'll just continue. Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy needs to be higher on the list. And then I love number 10, Ty, Cliff Kingsbury, and Mike Malarkey from the Titans. So he names Mike <laughs> Malarkey twice on his list, one, one with the Jaguars and one with the Titans. Pretty funny. Yeah, I think, I think oh, Gruden's yeah. missing. And then like Matt Patricia, the Lions, he lost the locker room like three weeks in, four right. weeks in. That's a tough one. Um, yeah. I mean, it's always the Super Bowl that gives the guy the, the escape, like, go from being a worst hire, though. You know, Gruden having a Super Bowl under his belt as as assistance as well. I think that's going to give people the kind of the bypass on a bad hire. But when you have these guys that were supposed to be Oh, offensive gurus, you know, Matt Nagy, all these guys that have, get primed up to be the next big thing and to fall flat on their face. I think that list is pretty damn spot on for sure. And the Hugh Jackson one is hilarious because not only did he was he a horrible coach, but he was a loudmouth the entire time he was a coach. And it really brought the, the craziest attention ever to him. That dude was a wild guy. Do we think um, if they miss the playoffs, does Todd Bowles' Buccaneers run belong on that list? Uh... Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, um, and I and I, I want to get I want to get back to Todd Bowles, but a similar run that Todd Bowles I think will have, and an underrated guy that didn't make this list, but I think he has to be considered. I'm just gonna throw out a name you guys probably haven't heard in a really long time, Mike Martz, and here's why this list is so funny. Mike Martz, if 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 people don't know, took over the St. Louis Rams, literally the greatest show on turf. In the year 2000, this is this is like a year removed from you know the the one of the greatest NFL yeah. teams of all time that inherited Kurt Warner and Dick Vermeil inevitably dropped out, as we know went on to coach the Chiefs. But Mike Martz basically inherits his team. His first year goes 10 and six. Then he goes 14 and two. So when you just hear that, you're like, holy shit! Like, why am I including Mike Martz in this list? Because this whole team evaporated from out, from under from under his watch. They, not only did they lose a the Super Bowl to the Patriots in 2001 when they went 14 and two, but the very following year after that they went seven and nine. Then they went 12 and four. Then Kurt Warner was gone from the Rams um, under kind of you know weird weird things went on. They started to lose. Kurt Warner was gone. Then they went eight and eight, two and three, and then he was fired. So he basically dismantled one of the worst teams of all time. I think I think he kind of deserves a place in that list just because of what a great team he inherited. 
Yeah, I mean, that team was freaking unbelievable. And I had to see the Bucks head them up against them freaking every year in the playoffs and ruin my dreams. Ricky Prohl, fuck you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's just absolute, like, menacing touchdown that still haunts haunts me to this day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and Ricky Prohl's son is currently playing in the league. That's how long ago that that is. But but Derek... And he uh, ended up in Chicago and he had a rivalry with Jay Cutler. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring it back to uh, Todd Bowles. Um, Kurt, I got to get your thoughts on on your boy Bowles. Uh, dude, what's going on with the Bucks? And, like, uh, could <laughs> j- j- just give me your thoughts on the Bucks. Uh, I wish I had a, a thorough answer as to what is wrong. I can give you just, like, Look, the offensive line is absolutely decimated from the team. We, we not only lost people to free agency, retirement, but we also losing them all to injury at this point. We had our third string left tackle playing in the game in Walton. Uh, you know, what is Tom Brady supposed to do at that point? You know, the deep threat is not going to be there. You don't have time to throw. I think that's impacted Mike Evans' season big time. Not only that, but Brady just being off at times too, missing Evans on big shots, overthrows and underthrows. Dude, Brady um, is horrible. It's I, I, crazy, dude, I, man. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, Brady. Brady is no longer just like, oh, he's struggling, dude. Brady looks fucking horrible, and and it's pure accuracy too, because yes. you see the zips on the ball. He still has that. It's it's just something about the deep ball. He's not hitting right now, and, and it's showing big time. I mean, Julio Jones wide open in the corner of the end zone in that game. It's a it's a walk in touchdown, and Brady overthrows him. It's a horrible with miss. So much room. It, it was miss. it was so bad, dude. I didn't know what to think. I'm sitting on my couch, stayed up for that entire mess of a game. Same because I mean the playoff implications, man. If we weren't in the playoff picture and we weren't going to make it, I would have went to bed big time for sure. Uh, but it was just it's that been that bad on the offensive end. And I wish I could say the defense hasn't been much better, but they've been eviscerated with injuries through the secondary. Our secondary has been absolutely in, like just injured throughout the entire year. Then you start losing Akeem Hicks, who was supposed to fill the Sioux role there as far as having a tandem team with v- Vita Vea and him in the middle. And he got injured right off rips from the beginning of the season. You know, so there's always been something happening through this year, and we just don't have a guy to step up in that role that can fill the void. Because once that injury happens, the opposing team is attacking that void immediately, wherever it might be. Sure. You know, so to say that it's a, it's it's just one or the other, I can't say it's all coaching and all players because the defense has been there. You see them shutting certain teams down, keeping us within like 12-point, 14-point games with really good offenses at times as well. So to say Bowles is the absolute problem, I don't believe that. To say Byron left, which might be, that's a little bit of a different story because when you see Brady in the two-minute drill, he is executing, man. When they're in the no huddle, None of these teams seem to be able to stop us. But when it's stopping, having Byron Leftwich call in the huddle offense, it just seems stagnant, predictable, and and everybody's tired of it. You see it on every single Bucks group on the internet right now. Yeah, and to me, it's just like the lack of accountability is is the biggest thing in the coffin, like the nail in the coffin for me from a bull standpoint, is that he gets in these press you know conferences and and people are asking the head coach to defend. You know, what happened on this that was, we're talking tactical issues. We're talking head coaching issues, bad clock management, bad management of timeouts, things like that. And there's just no accountability. And then you see the players do the same thing. You know, kind of following that, that example that he leads. To me, that's that's the, the, the negative mark on, on his tenure. 
I mean, I'll actually piggyback on that to say, yeah, I think there is a little bit too much of the nice guy, you know, not going to ruffle the feathers, not going to get in anybody's face, not demand the best out of everybody. It's just a little bit too soft toned and, you know, almost reminding of Tony Dungy, who was a, a great head coach and a great man, but it always seemed like he couldn't get the Bucks over the hump. And that might have been not that having that edge, you know, when they brought Gruden in to whether you could say that offense was because Gruden and everything else, you know, it was the team that Dungy built, but we just could never seem to get over the edge until we brought those guys in. And that's kind of what Bowles reminds me of is that it's the nice guy who wants everybody to like him. He's not ruffling feathers. He's not calling guys out. And sometimes that's a necessity, even for the GOAT. And I think Bruce Arians did a great job of that when he was coaching this team. Yeah, I, it's it's wild. I I, I I do think Todd Bowles is 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 got to be to blame for a lot of this. But you're right. There there there's a lot more things going on than just the coaching. I think it's just exacerbating the bad coaching decisions that are being made. But uh, just back to Nathaniel Hackett. Um, what a way to go out. So his last game, his last game in the NFL is against a throwaway quarterback. From a team that, by the way, that since they've thrown him away, the Carolina Panthers, since they've thrown away Baker Mayfield, has been on an absolute fucking tear and looks incredible. So they throw him away to the Rams, and all of a sudden Baker looks good again, uh, learning from McVay. Um, of course, this Broncos um, uh, LA game is a Nickelodeon game. Of course. It's the only way that this game could be presented to us. This, this is how good the NFL has, has been this has been this year. The the moment when Patrick Starr, they literally bring in a CGI cartoon Patrick Starr, and he is roasting. He's watching live, and I don't even know how they do this, but his mouth is moving to like when he's talking, and yeah. he starts roasting Russell Wilson, bro. This this Broncos season is heavenly, and just in terms of meme content and just horribleness. But dude, did you got you guys saw the Patrick Star roasting, right? It was so good. Yeah, it's like, oh was no, that's an interception because that's not what Russ wanted to cook. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best line right there, dude. Oh, so good. I don't even know how they have the it's, technology to do this with with, but it's it's awesome. And honestly, I think I think the Nickelodeon broadcasts, they need to be expanded. It's fucking, it's cool. It, it really yeah. is. Like, it, yeah. if you don't like it as an adult, just understand that there are kids probably getting into the NFL because of these broadcasts. And I just think, I, I think it's so fucking awesome. And if, if they can do live commentary from cartoon characters that kids are watching, holy shit, that's like crack. Yeah. It's like crack. Yeah, they, they definitely in. got those guys in with the filter, whoever probably that character is or a, vo a voice matching guy, somebody who does impressions, and they just got a filter on and they're calling right. it live right there. It's probably sure. a Snapchat filter. You're right. It's probably just yeah. straight yeah. up Snapchat Adobe, Adobe They're sitting here a, just like this, watching the game, calling it out. I didn't, it even, really cool I didn't even think about that. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. But, dude. but, but I love... I love the touchdown effects when the guys are celebrating yes. and they have They're the so gifts coming good. out. Dude. So that was really cool. And talk about a way to watch it with your kids and keep them yeah. in tune. And dad gets to still watch the game. No problem. Dude, I, listen, if you don't like Nickelodeon broadcasts, that's fine. You don't have to watch them. But if you like 
the Manning broadcast more than the Nickelodeon broadcast, I I I think maybe there's something a little bit wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, you're watching the Manning cast when it's a rough game and you can't get through it, and you got to get those guys at least. But when it's a nice game, I would like to watch the classic broadcast. But there's times when I need to flip over and have a little Peyton into my life. But sometimes, dude, it just seems like they're reaching so hard. Oh, on that dude, it, the, on the, that cast, those broadcasts get so stale and hard to watch. Straight up, yeah. Hard to watch. The problem is like Eli is pretty much dead weight, and then they <laughs> such they'll, dead they'll, they'll get into like situations where like Peyton gets like too into like watching the game. Yeah, you just kind of like lose. <laughs> they'll, they'll just get silent. They'll get silent for like yeah. They'll just stop talking and and like be watching the game. He's like, all right, here's what he's got to do. Oh, the safety's <laughs> coming down. He's like. Like he's like an offensive coordinator in the box, which is still cool. It's, I, I like that access. And then you just get Eli, like the dumb blank <laughs> stare while he's doing it. Oh, I, I actually enjoy when he's doing probably call like time that, out here, Peyton. Like, when he when he's really getting into it and what analyzing, that's yeah. when it's the best, dude. Because you're no, really seeing good, the genius. Sometimes that works. he's just like silently staring at the monitor, watching the game. It's <laughs> <laughs> like broadcast. <laughs> When Eli- you're talking about bad the freaking Broncos were, man. It, not only did they make the B- Baker Mayfield look like an absolute beast, and he's been on a tear, but how about Cam Akers and every fantasy owner ever losing their freaking mind that had to deal with that guy all year, and he drops three tutties this past weekend. It's absolutely insane, dude. It's like, I saw somebody, Twitter on, it, on? somebody on Twitter who said, oh, man, it must suck for those guys who drafted Cam Akers, watching them score three touchdowns for somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) I kept him in another league. I just never – I couldn't start him. He was just so mismatched the whole year. I just – I drafted him on the the wraparound. I had CMC and was going to have Cam Akers as the dual threat guys and got screwed. So that that's actually a perfect segue. Uh, fan, let's do a fantasy football just end of the season vent session. So just give me give me like your worst, just either either worst luck or like worst injury. Like what happened to you this fantasy year that just fucked you the most? <laughs> I want to hear it. I mean uh, the the combination of of Javante Williams getting hurt in the first quarter of the game of the season uh, on the same team that I had Kyle Pitts. I don't think I need to explain oh. that one anymore. Yeah. Um, that was brutal. Done and then you layer on like you know Judy missing as many games as he did, um, and not only missing games, but like he got hurt on the first target of the game twice. Yep, and knocked out for the whole game. So you know, it's when you it's one thing to have that guy not be available. It's another thing to have a guy put up zero points in your roster. Like it's just sure not a fun one. Not a fun one, Kurt. That's rough. Uh, I'm I'm on the same train with Javante, but I will say for me and the keeper, man, is Lamar Jackson, dude, just let down oh. after let down after let down three years in a row. And, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They, he's gotten me three times. And luckily I had Trevor Lawrence as the backup to ride out through the end of the season. But, man, anybody who looks at Lamar Jackson as the guy who's taking you there, like Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or one of these guys, uh, it seems to start out that way at the beginning of the season. But, dude, everybody catches on to the scheme, and he goes downhill when it matters most. Yeah, I have a theory that's completely unsubstantiated, but I like to do some research to possibly link a correlation with what I'm about to say. But... There's something there's something about mobile quarterbacks. I think that they have like their their value just disintegrates over the course of the year. Look at Jalen Hurts. Uh look, look at Justin Fields last week. 
Uh, look at Lamar Jackson towards the end of the season. Look at Michael Vick towards the end of, mo- 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 of most of his seasons. Um, I think the more mobile the quarterback, the more their value seems to go down over the course of the year. I don't think a lot of guys are winning championships with mobile quarterbacks, with perhaps the exception of Josh Allen. But that guy defies all logic. But think about how many Jalen Hurts fans or, or owners, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields owners just got fucked because of this last week. I mean, it, it is crazy. Like the more mobile the quarterback, like you're going to make a huge splash towards the beginning of the year. It's going to disintegrate over the course of the year. Imagine if you're yeah. a uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> Damian, P- Damian Pierce owner. Yeah, you had the you had the roughest year of all. You, you, you had oh. one guy go out and two guys go on the IR in about a three day span. That's tough sledding, D. That's tough sledding. My beat of the year is obviously we we're we're in a bunch of leagues together. Uh, in both my leagues this year, I went in on Trey Lance, who I hate, by the way. And uh, uh, Brees Hall, both in early in my drafts. And I love the Brees Hall pick, but of course he gets hurt for the rest of the year. Um, I, I, I'm i the type of guy that I like to diversify my bonds, bitch. Um, so w- when I have two teams, I don't like often like to go in on two guys. I went on on two gambles this year. One of them worked out and then got hurt. And then the other one was just horrible and then got hurt. Just <laughs> yeah. brutal. I scrolled through my worst beats and I, I lost by one point. Uh, to a guy spot starting Deion Jackson, <laughs> yeah. um, oh. who scored 28. And I went back to just to, to look. Uh, Deion Jackson scored more points in that game than Jonathan Taylor did in any game this year. I'm sure he did because I got beat by Deion Jackson in, in our other league. So, yep, yep Marcus, Marcus <laughs> single-handedly beat me with, with Deion Jackson in the other league. Fucking brutal, dude. Why do we play fantasy? Why do we play fantasy? Um, I, I, I gotta, I gotta talk to you guys. Uh, the Vikings won their 11th game this year, uh, by, by one score. Um, this is straight up in a heavenly ride for a team. Uh, by the way, no team has ever won 11 games by this narrow of a margin ever in NFL history. We're officially in our, in our uncharted territories in terms of Vikings just out kicking their coverage. Um, Want to get you guys' thoughts on this Vikings game? Uh, Dabble's new facial hair, uh, Brian Dabble's new facial hair in, in in this game is is what really jumps out at me. What is going on with this? Why did he do this? He had a beard. He actually looks like a normal human before the cut of this beard. Now he looks like an Arby's like GM. <laughs> you can't have that body type and that head shape. Nope. And think that oh, I'm going to go down to the goatee because it, it makes you just shows off like the bowling ball shape of his head yep. a little too much. And when you whittle it down to just that little goatee, and it's a, it's a pretty narrow goatee anyways. Yep. It just looks like a handle. Oh, and like, man. It's like, what are you like? What are you doing, man? It's horrible. Dude, it just accentuates the double chin. The oh, beard yeah. hides the double chin. Mm-hmm. It, it helps a big man. A big man, a beard is a big man's friend, his best friend. But that goatee, dude, is one of the worst I've ever seen. Coming from oh, a guy man, who like, can't grow that. a fucking beard. <laughs> you're, t- you're coming from a guy who can't grow a fucking beard. This is when I shave my shit. But that is awful goatee. Uh, there's been many a times in my life when I'm like, oh, I'm looking pretty fat. I should probably grow some facial hair. It, many, many, many a times. The the beard is the ultimate fa- uh, double chin uh, camouflage con- concealer. Yes, it's it's. Let's let's just call it what it is. It's man makeup. Yes, it is. It is. The beard is the ultimate. Like, and, and, and as you guys can see, I got I got some facial hair coming in. Um, this is about a week's worth. Uh, you know what? 
um, I, I saw it the other day and I was like, should I take it off? And I'm like, and I'm just like, mm, nope. You ate that entire rotisserie chicken the other day. You cannot shave that beard. <laughs> yeah, he did everybody a solid. Anybody who's on the fence thinking about getting rid of the facial, like, oh shit, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but this Vikings game was wild, folks. Like every game, I'm like, no way we can do this. No way we can do this. The way that this game ended, I'm telling you, it's crazier than the Colts game. Our our kicker, Greg Joseph, goes out and hits a 61 yard field goal. The Vikings, I assure you, dude, I've been watching this team for 30-plus years. This team has never hit a 60-plus-yard field goal to win a game, I assure you. That is not a that is not something that ever has happened to the Vikings. Want to get even crazier with this? The longest kick Greg Joseph has ever made in his career? 56 yards. This is not a young kicker. This is like a mid... Like, like nearing retirement kicker. The longest kick he's ever made, 56. Every Vikings fan, when he went out there to, to, to wind up that 61-yard kick, was like, all right, this is over. There's no way we're kicking this. It's going to overtime. It's fucking wild, dude. The Vikings are, are finding the craziest ways to win these games, and I just I can't believe it. I really can't. Excuse me, Mr. Joseph. Uh, you've been randomly selected for a drug test by the NFL. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you saw and, dude, if you look at the kick, it had it had distance. He he could have made a 70-yarder with that kick. It was it was so long. Like, it was impossibly long. I don't understand what's going on with the Vikings. Every dude, week. They've just been a lot of fun, man, to watch. They and, are and you so don't much win fun. those games without an offense like that, without Justin yeah. Jefferson, without adding Hawkinson to the mix, who's been an absolute menace to deal with. I mean, the, the offense is stacked, and it needs to be because the Vikings' defense, especially the pass defense, has been one of the worst in the NFL, at least over, I know, this back half of the season. I don't have the stats in front of me, but you got to be able to put up points on the board, and they've been battling it out and gutting it out, and that's what you need going into the playoffs, man. When you have teams that just coast in and they have, like, the Philadelphia Eagles, that, that type of team that kind of reminds me of that, they've kind of seemed to coast it into the playoffs, but the teams who battle and have those grind-out games seem to be the ones that move on in the playoffs. You see those teams that get hot, and the Vikings have been that way the whole year. And, dude, I'm still on the bandwagon because they've got guys that can make plays, even if it is in the secondary with Patrick Peterson or Harrison back there. And they have a pass rush, too, that can put some heat on the quarterback that can make a game-changing play. The offense, you don't have to worry about that. That's signed, sealed, and delivered, certainly. Yeah, we talked a number of times about teams like the Browns and teams that, you know, who lose a lot of games, the Lions, traditionally. And that losing becomes kind of a cancer and just becomes, you know, uh, the the normal. And it's a detriment when it's, you know, as soon as the first thing goes wrong, you're thinking, oh, shit, here we go again. And it kind of becomes that self-fulfilling you know, prophecy where you just expect to lose. This is the opposite. You have to be thinking, you know, from, from a Viking standpoint, as soon as things start going their way, like they have to have that confidence they're going to win the game because they've done it 11 times now. Um, you know, all those fourth quarter comebacks, it doesn't really matter how you win as long as you're winning. And, and I think this could be a scary team, one of those kind of weird destiny, kind of giant-esque teams. Yeah, they, 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 they are really bizarre. Um, it's still hard for me to believe in them uh, because it's a team that every Vikings fan is expecting us to go to Lambeau this week and lose to the Packers. The Packers suck. Why are we expect that? That's that's the way the season is going. Brother man, Kirk Cousins is playing the best football of his career. Um, somebody has unlocked Kirk Cousins, and it is crazy because he's had some horrible games this year, just horrible. But I think what Kevin O'Connell did when he came into this team 
is he basically told Kirk Cousins, dude, you're so afraid to make a mistake. Stop it. Stop it. Go out and make mistakes. And someone finally told Kirk Cousins to take a chance. These last three games against the Lions, 425 yards, two touchdowns. Against the Colts, 460 yards against the Colts, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Against the fucking Giants, 299 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. This guy is he's taking chances. And, dude, like, like him or love him, Kirk Cousins is playing well right now. He was not playing well early in the year. He is fucking killing it right now. And it's it's weird to watch. I don't I don't I still don't believe in the long term, you know, growth of this team, but it's dude, this, this ride has been the probably the funnest season I've ever watched as a Vikings fan. Easily. Yeah, just Google Mike Zimmer and you'll know why Kirk Cousins was a little afraid to do anything. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> Those two man. absolutely hated each other. It was unbelievable. It's terrifying. <laughs> so to see man. Kirk get a coach that actually is going to turn them loose like this. It's been absolutely fun, especially for JJ man. Cause it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. It, it could be a grocery bag boy out of the, out of the public's local around the corner. And he's going to go for two fifty. I mean, it's un, unreal what JJ has done breaking Randy Moss's record. And again, the team's just been fi- What's and, that? and Chris Carter's record. So he broke uh Randy Moss's yardage record. And then he just broke uh Chris Carter Carter's catch record. So he he's he's literally breaking every single Vikings record except for touchdowns at this point. Um, the guy's insane. He's he's literally a guy that can just take over a game. It's weird. A wide receiver that can just like take over a game, and it really is bizarre. Vikings are interesting. They really are. Um, Josh Jacobs. What do you guys think? So uh, the the end of this Vegas game, uh, Derek. You want to, do you want to kind of fill us in on what happened with this Josh Jacobs thing? Yeah, so they, they're interviewing him in the locker room, and he's just, you can tell, you, you kind of get that that raw, emotional, like this is this how this guy really feels. You know, he, the facade kind of comes down when it comes to, you know, how you deal with the media. He's just like, man, I'm tired. You know, I'm, I'm busting my ass out here. I'm doing everything I can to win. The last four seasons have been exactly the same. You know, we keep busting our ass to win, and we just don't win. Uh, and you can tell the dude's frustrated, and, and you know, he's played under – I think this is his four, third coach in, in four years. Um, so you can get where the frustration comes from. There's no way that guy resigns unless the, the, the money is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, running back in this contract year, I, I don't think Vegas is going to be able to afford him anyways. You know there's going to be a team that goes out there and spends the bank on him for whatever reason we do see it. Uh, J- Josh Jacobs, he is young enough, I think, where you could get still some good years out of him. But for me personally, as a GM, I'm just not sinking that much money into running backs right now. The way the cap is and where you really need to put your money, running back isn't the position to me. And I think Josh McDaniels knows that. Uh, Obviously, Al Davis's kid, the new owner, I can't remember his first name. But he's obviously... Mark, yeah, he's obviously dedicated to McDaniel's big time, and he stuck his neck out on the line in the media forum. Said they're dedicated to this coach because uh, the media was on a hot storm. You know, this was a playoff team last year, and they've underperformed. Um, so overall, I just don't think Josh Jacobs is coming back to Vegas anyhow, and it'll be best for both parties. Can you imagine him in like Buffalo or like somewhere that is just like a running back piece away? Dude, Singletary's been balling, baby. Don't be hating on Singletary. I mean, I, I don't hate on Singletary, but he's I not know. Josh Jacobs. I know, you know. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like, that, I mean, that's a place he could crush. You know, I, I'm sure Carolina wishes they had a guy like Josh Jacobs or Christian McCaffrey, somebody like that. 
So I'm just going to play devil's advocate on Josh Jacobs, but you know, he first year in his and in, in the NFL, 1150 yards, second year, 1065. Then the following year injuries kind of rose up 872. Like he's, he's one of the best running backs in all football this year, but it's a contract year. I'd be a little bit worried picking this guy up, but, but at the same exact time, I totally understand. How can you not be fatigued playing for this team? And going through all this year after year, like it's got to be exhausting. And maybe like last year, imagine being your third year, you got drafted to Oakland. Now you're playing in Vegas, and you guys still suck. Like it's it's got to be brutal, man. I I can't imagine the grind that these guys go through, especially because there's so many good players on this team. But yeah, the Raiders Raiders seem kind of fucked. Um, but I, I mean, shit, you had Carr crying at the podium in front of everybody. Was that dude. again? You know, I'm just saying that's oh, like, yeah, yeah. this is just where this team is at emotionally. Yep. You talk about broken down and whatever. They had the quarterback literally in tears in front of the media, man. That's never happened, I think, in the history of football with the quarterback. You know, the only one I can think of is Terrell Owens crying up there. That's my quarterback. Like, that's the only <laughs> time I can think of anything, even remotely close to it. So I want to tee you guys up for something because uh, I I just noticed my whiskey is done and I got to go grab another whiskey. So I got to tee you guys up for a topic and then I'm going to try to be back in the next 20 seconds with a new whiskey. But uh, dude, one thing I, one thing I realized um, this last week is the Cowboys beat the Eagles. As we know, Gardner Minshew playing for the Eagles Um, and Eagles fans are just so upset that the Cowboys fans would celebrate this win over Gardner Minshew, their backup quarterback. And it's just so funny to me because to to promote the sports memory, when we first started, we joined all these groups. So I get a bunch of perspective from all these Facebook groups, just people just shouting at at, at all these fan bases. And one thing I've seen is Eagles fans like, why are Cowboys fans celebrating this win? You know, it was against our backup quarterback. Bro, does nobody remember where the Eagles win came from earlier this year, a week before Dak Prescott came back, when they beat Cooper Rush barely by by less than a score in Link Stadium? So they played two games, both against backup quarterbacks, and we got two fan bases shouting at each other going, why are you celebrating this? Like, you, you fucking suck, like all this. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm starting to realize this year, and, and I've known this for a while, but Eagles fans, as much as we give Cowboys fans shit, they're just as annoying as Cowboys fans. And it is so funny to watch them. And by the way, Gardner Minshew's way better than Cooper Rush. It's so funny to watch Eagles fans whine over the Cowboys just slightly celebrating this win. Like, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this game as a whole and just on these two fan bases? Because it's just getting absolutely annoying to me. I'm going to go run and get some whiskey while, I t- while you say this. Yeah, for me, I just think that, I mean, one, Gardner Minshew played a great game. Uh, that loss is not on him. Uh, the interception even was this an outrageous play. Um, they had, I think, was it two lost fumbles by running backs. Or I can't remember if it was the third one or not. But I know they lost two. I know Boston Scott dropped an exchange. I know Miles Sanders had a bad fumble, uh, both late in the game. I mean, that's a game that the, that the Eagles should have won. So, you know, one... Eagles fans are, are crybabies, and, and and I think that they're, you know, just as bad as, as Cowboys fans uh, in a lot of regards. But two, like, if I was the Cowboys, I'd be worried. 
because if Jalen Hurts plays in that game, they definitely don't win. Uh, and even if the the running backs decide to not fumble, they they don't win that game. I mean, dude, my my biggest takeaway, man, is just the Minshew magic that I, we all fell in love with back in the Jacksonville days, man. Uh, the guy can start in the NFL, and my biggest takeaway is he just got paid big time again just for that performance there against the Cowboys. You got Micah Parsons, who's up for what? Everybody's already calling him the generational defensive player of the generation. And the guy was just putting up points. Bad turnovers. If those running backs don't fumble the ball, especially the Miles Sanders one, which was really bad at the end, uh, they definitely win that game. Minshew put him in position to do so. And that guy just showed that he needs to be starting somewhere. He's more than a backup. And if the Eagles want to keep him, they better pay that mofo because somebody else is going to go after him. I don't know the details of his contract with those guys, but I had never been more disappointed than the Bucs when they didn't go after Minshew to have a backup. Yeah, I think I think I think you're spot on with that. He's definitely starting in this league. 355 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Listen, guys, he looked really bad at times. Had some really bad interceptions. Had some really bad throws. But overall, guys, he's playing the fucking Cowboys defense. This is the number two rated defense in the entire NFL. This is a great defense. Putting pressure on him the whole time. 355 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions in that spot. After not taking first, you know, reps starting. Coming in ice cold, dude. Exactly, Coming dude. in ice cold. I'm sorry, like, and they didn't even declare him the starter until, like, t- Wednesday or Thursday. Like, this was an impressive fucking start. Uh, Gardner Minshew, it, I mean, he's definitely be- better than, like, you know, the uh, Heineke's of the league, right? He's definitely better than Heineke, 100%. He's m- by far better than Heineke, He's man. better than Carson Wentz. He's better than, you know, Mitch Trubisky, all these other fucking duds that have somehow I'd made take him over way. anybody on the New England roster. Oh, yeah. 100%. He's definitely no better doubt. than anyone on the New, New England roster. This guy can start in the league. I was really impressed with this, with this whole performance. 100%. And you wonder if a little bit of that was for Mike Leach. Rest in peace, man. But uh, yeah. that's who he played with, Mike Leach, at Washington State, dude. And uh, that's the guy who knows the guys who can sling the rock. And and Minshew can, dude. He knows how to, to toss that pill, and it's a lot of fun to watch. So I haven't watched the Gardner Minshew, uh, um, what, is, what do you call it when you talk at a funeral? Um, eulogy? Yeah, you're, I haven't watched the eulogy, but it's apparently incredible. And I'm sure it is. Yeah. This guy's so interesting. And, dude, who better can you bring in for your franchise? Is there any better – let me put it this way. Is there any better bridge quarterback slash marketable motherfucker than Gardner Minshew? Like a guy who can come in <laughs> – look at Derek's dog peeking through the door looking at him. <laughs> Coop! Uh, but, uh, dude, he's so marketable, so amazing. Everyone loves him. Nobody roots against Gardner Minshew. Nobody. Absolutely and it's nobody. authentic, dude. The Bucks tried to get away with that shit with the Fitz magic when he put on Deshaun Jackson's little outfit one time. And now it's become a whole shtick for Amazon Prime and him. But, dude, Minshew is the real deal. When you see is what you get. That guy has been that since the beginning of his whole entire persona. Dude. He didn't have to create that out of nowhere. And, and anybody could market that guy and put butts in the seats for sure. Because it's natural. He doesn't even try at it. He's literally just himself... Yeah. And he's the most lovable guy in the in the NFL. Like I, dude, I can't get enough of this guy. Sign me up, Houston. Should Houston not have gone after a trade on this guy? Like, how, how much more exciting would a Houston have been if Gardner Minshew was there playing quarterback? Like straight up, and and especially in like Texas, 
put Gardner Minshew in Texas. Is there has there ever been a better fucking pairing? Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, he is the dream bridge quarterback. Like if, if if you're not looking to like completely win out a year, but you want to just like an entertaining year for fans, Gardner Minshew's a guy, 100. percent Too many roadblocks to it, but man, imagine him in like for the Titans. Yeah, dude, 100. Tannehill, I, I think there's there's still kind of loyalty to him and the Malik thing, but. Man, would he fit there? A team that just Damn. doesn't Minshew need a lot. Smashville, dude, oh, would dude. Be, it'd be amazing. I'll shut it down. Shut it down on Broadway, dude. This, <laughs> this guy, he might be showing up to the games reeking a whiskey. I don't know. Nashville might be the downfall of Gardner Minshew. He wouldn't be able to scrub out the puss in that mustache. <laughs> from, just, from a guy who lived there six years, like straight up, just like take the. Take the roughest soap. You would not be able to scrub out. Yeah, the like a Brillo pad to his mustache. <laughs> You'd have to scrub it right to the skin. He'd have to just shave it. One night on Broadway. Oh my god. <laughs> One night. Uh, <laughs> so, um, wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this. This is pretty wild. Uh, Monday night game. I needed Justin Herbert to suck, and he sucked. They win, of course. Uh, the, the Chargers beat the Colts, but there's some fucking red flags going on with Herbert. Like, like, why did the Chargers dominate the Colts last night? And Justin Herbert was ridiculously unspectacular. Um, and then I also want to draw your attention to, to, have you guys seen Brandon Staley's little warm-up stretches he was doing, like, on the field that people were, were, were ripping? Yeah, like ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, that, that to me, like it, it's one thing, like the Dak Prescott thing we all made fun of. But at least he's getting ready for a football game. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is Staley doing? Like, Coaching. what is he getting ready for? I mean, he's like, oh, I need to loosen that? my hips to call these plays. Like, <laughs> do that in the locker room. In the locker room. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And you're 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 in the NFL. You're a head coach. You know anything you do in that football field is going to be recorded and yep. shared. Like, what? You're an idiot. Yep. Have some awareness. Um, the, the players need to call a meeting on his ass and pull that up and say, okay. now this is detrimental conduct to the franchise coach and we can't see this shit again. <laughs> cut it out. You, you guys have done the cat cow stretch. It's not that sexual. It, he is like sodomizing a ghost. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. He, he's lucky wet ass pussy wasn't playing over the speakers in the yes, background, yes. dude, because yeah. they might have to slap an explicit content sticker. No, and notice I said sodomize. He was, <laughs> <laughs> the way he was thrusting, it was not like, <laughs> nope. That, he's like, a power bottom. It was a weird thrust, and a lot of people came after us, as they always do. By the way, I love it. When people get really sensitive about our memes, they always go, oh, clearly, sports memory isn't athletic, and they don't know about stretches. And I'm just like, first of all, yeah, we posted a video of the stretch. And by the way, in the video, if you listen to the sound, it's six athletes ripping the stretch. Right, it's it, it's literally like an ESPN show, like ripping it. But uh, yeah, so so fucking ridiculous. But uh, Derwin James gets ejected. Justin Herberts looks looks like he's you know regressing. They still win, but what are you guys' takes on the Chargers? Can can this team do anything in the playoffs? I don't think so. Just because I think you need to be consistent, and and I don't think they are a consistent team. Um. I'm still obviously believing Herbert. I don't know how banged up he is. Obviously, he had those broken ribs not that long ago. Uh, and I think it was broken cartilage, too, which I yeah. think takes a little longer to heal. Yep. Um, so he's probably still feeling the effects of that. 
and you know, we, we, he's got kind of a pass, and he's he's moved slightly off the hot seat just because they've had two really good weeks. But Brandon Staley still sucks. He sucks. Like there's there's nothing's changed there. Um, I think he they were really impressive the last couple of weeks in spite of Brandon Staley. Um, so I'm not super worried about Herbert, but if Staley sticks around another year or two, um, it doesn't matter how good the quarterback is if if you know the, the coach kind of ruins them. We've seen that. We've seen a lot of coaches ruin uh, you know top end candidates top end prospects careers 100 percent. i think you're spot on as far as the injuries derek i think he's banged up more than they're leading on to be and you know he's one of the tough guys that's not going to go out and say yeah i have this this and that uh the kid's been blue chip and stand up since he's been in the league so i don't expect that to be on blast the whole time uh he definitely has looked a little bit rough but Staley is one of the biggest problems for me for that whole entire franchise. And it sucks because you just went through Anthony Lynn. I know. It's like you needed to get this hire correct and they didn't. And it is leading to a bit of a regression to in, in his game. And I, to, between the yoga and the bullshit and the fourth down calls and the bad play field position play, the guy has been a menace and, and it's been rough for him. And this roster, there's no way that the Chargers, they've underperformed. Like, you can't put it any other way. I don't care if you do have a young quarterback. When you have Khalil Mack, when you have Bosa, when you have Derwin James, when you have that offense with Austin Eckler, Allen, I mean, come on, dude. They've underperformed through and through. And I look at Staley for that, and I'm not worried about Herbert. If he's 100%, I think he looks a million times better in that game last night. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about decision-making with, with coaches, probably one of the most important qualities um, the decision to go out there and hump a ghost um, on the field rather than all the catacombs that are at the back of the stadium. You have so much privacy, that you, and you choose to go out there and do that stretch. And by the way, it wasn't just the cat cow stretch. It was also, he did like a little awkward run up and down the, the bleachers. It was so bizarre. Like the decision to do that, I don't trust Brandon Staley as a coach, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I want to close out a recap session with a guy that I, I told my dad last week because I'm a Vikings fan and I need the 49ers to start losing because they're nipping at our heels for the number two spot. Um, Brock, Party, Brock Purdy, good at football. I'm officially ready to say this. Four games now. Four games, fellas. He's a rookie. Two touchdowns in every game. I know this team is really good, but is Brock Purdy decent? I think Brock Purdy's fucking decent. I don't know. Uh, by the way, um, last three games against the Bucks, 134 passer rating against the Seahawks, 117 against the Commanders, 114. Bro, this guy is killing it. He's fucking killing it. What are you guys' thoughts on Brock Purdy? Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing what he, he needs to do. And he's playing, you know, we've talked about before, like the way that this this team functions and when it's at its best, they're using a lot of creative run plays. They're, they're moving the offensive line around a lot, using that athleticism and, the, and those you know draft picks they invested in that. They just need a guy to go out there and, and not fuck it up. Mm -hmm. Get the ball out on time, get the ball into the hands of a playmaker, and don't fuck it up. And he's executing that but flawlessly. Um, you know, I, I don't think they could ask for much more as far as what they're getting from a production standpoint. And he's cheap. They can, you know, they can keep him around for, for that, for, from a lower cost standpoint. I don't think you get anything out of Trey Lance. 
Um, I, I don't think there's much trade value there at all. But I think you got to think about moving him. And Jimmy G's definitely got to go. Yeah. That's, that's just not a thing anymore. Um, I, I think Purdy's been really a, a positive thing for them and, and is really back to like what they need. I mean, they were really successful with Nick Mullins for a while there. Um, I think Purdy's better than that. Yeah. I mean, I caught the tail end, but Derek, you're talking about a don't fuck it up guy, but he's not only not fucking it up, he's making big throws in big poor parts of the game, man. And it's because he's got a, a big football brain, dude. The guy knows the game and he's making anticipated throws, which is very, very rare for young guys like that. Trusting the receivers off the break, knowing the offense and where those guys are going to be. And he's putting it on a dime, man. I, I heard Brock Purdy's name back when he was at Iowa State because my father-in-law went to that college he's an absolute cyclone nut and he was one of the high, most highly touted guys that was coming out of college before he went back for that senior year and we talked about that on the last pod that i was on but it's worth repeating because this guy was high on the boards and was one of those guys who was supposed to be a dude and then just fell off the radar out of nowhere and here you are with shanahan picking him up plugging him into an offense that is so friendly to just about anybody, uh, he's going to make that scheme fit to you. But this kid's answering the bell on big downs, and you like to see that. And that puts faith in him for the future. Yeah, Purdy's my boy. I, I'm I love this guy. I'm like obsessed with this guy. I, dude, you love you love an underground. You love a underdog story. There's no better underdog story in all of sports for several years than Brock Purdy. This guy is fucking killing it. What other quarterback could start out with eight touchdowns and only three interceptions with a 104 quarterback rating that you wouldn't get excited about? And to add to that, the fact that he was literally the last pick in the draft, the most statistically unsuccessful pick of the entire draft. This guy's incredible, and he just keeps doing it. And I said to my dad last week, I'm like, Brock Brock Purdy's going to fail this week. I'm starting to believe that that's not in the cards. And the 49ers, maybe Kyle Shanahan has just found his guy. And he hasn't been perfect. That's the thing that you have to remember. He has not been perfect. He's actually looked pretty bad at times. But he's a fucking rookie, folks. A seventh-round rookie. The fact that he even Mr. has irrelevant. A, the fact that he even has a, a positive touchdown interception ratio, let alone a over a two to one ratio, is absolutely incredible. Um, I love this guy, and he's the best story currently going in the NFL. He really is. Well, and what did you say about Kirk Cousins earlier, right? That you loved how he was able to fail or not be scared to fail yeah. and let it rip. Yep. And the fact that this kid is already there as a rookie and not scared to fail, the coach is putting that faith in him. It, it speaks volumes, dude. And I've got faith in the 49ers. I got faith in Shanahan, uh, especially with that defense that they've got on the other side of the ball. And if Purdy keeps playing like he is, look out in the NFC because that team is scary. Yeah, he dropped some dimes, some 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 really good deep dimes. Like he he's good. He's he's better. <laughs> he's better than me than Trey Lance. He's way better than Zach Wilson has ever been. This guy, this guy, I love this guy. He's my be- he's my favorite. The 49ers, just as a whole, are my favorite storyline currently in the NFL because lo and behold, Shanahan has his best team ever, and it almost fell into his lap. They they acquire Kish. Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy just comes out of the fucking ether to bless this team with his talents. Like 
I, I love this team, and I'm really excited about the 49ers storyline. I hope they beat all the good teams. I hope they beat the 49 I hope they beat the Cowboys. I hope they beat the Eagles. And uh yeah, never mind about the Vikings. Um <laughs> But they probably will. They probably will. Speaks to John Lynch too, man. Kudos. For sure. All right, buddies. Let's move on to shower thoughts. Uh Derek, you want to start us out? Yeah. So I was I've been thinking about it this week a lot. It's happened to me more than one time. But do we are we to the point now where you have enough Christmas stuff? Like I, I've endured so many just really bad Christmas movies and the plot's exactly the same. It's like girl from the big city goes back home and reconnects with the the you know polite Christmas tree farmer. And it's just like 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 it's the same fucking movie right. over and over and over. Like Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies? They're everywhere though. Netflix is making them, Hulu's making them, everybody's making the same <laughs> fucking movie. And it's like a slightly different twist. And it's like, oh, they wrote a song together and they bring fucking Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> out of retirement. <laughs> he looks terrible for 46. <laughs> like I just I don't I love the guy, but man, does he look fucking bad. And you know, you talk about even like Christmas music, like I don't know if anyone's realized this, but Christmas songs are the same 12 songs. It's just a different person <laughs> singing them. It's just, it's so repetitive. I can't imagine being like a retail worker this time of year, listening to 19 different versions of Jingle Bell Rock. And you just wanted to fucking off yourself in the break room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was excellent. That was excellent. Oh, yes. Dude, it, it really does have to stop. Um, just because you're a holiday movie doesn't mean you can be... <laughs> dismissed for all the other elements that actually make a movie. Um, it's, it, it's, it really is embarrassing. Uh, and the fact that it's expanding out outside of Hallmark and there's controversy, like the one, the one lady that used to write all the Hallmark movies. And then she switched over to another network and she said that she wanted to bring the Christ back in Christmas or something like that. Do, do you know what story I'm talking about? No, I can only imagine. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't, we, we won't even touch on that. Uh, Kurt, what's your shower thought? <laughs> well, it's I w- I'll start it off on a more lighter note of what I don't get over from Christmas, the things that I love, and it's Frank Sinatra Christmas, Christmas album. I can always play that start to finish when it comes down to this time of the year yep. and, get a- and get excited for just the laziest time like we talked about earlier and just having fun with the family. But the thing that I can get over is all the matching pajamas that every single family has and every single photo on the fucking internet right now, dude, including mine. So I'm, not say, above I'm guilty. It. I'm guilty. I'm not above <laughs> it. And God damn it. Don't stop doing it because your moms are going to cry if you don't show up in the matching things. But I'd be lying, man, if I am not over it getting that phone call in the morning. Don't forget to put on your pajama pants before coming to the house. I mean, it's just another submission and like white people are the fucking worst. (laughs) It is. It's it's rough. It's rough, man. Yeah. Matching matching pajamas. That's, that's something I never even thought about. That is a underrated, annoying part of uh, so many Christmas photos are built around those matching pajamas and the red and black plaid, dude. I'm telling you, now that I said it, go on your Facebook, go through it. You're going to see every single family with the same <laughs> plaid, red and black plaid on for their Christmas. And that at least picture. we mix it up. We, we had uh, penguins with scarves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my shower thought is that, uh, 
man, you know, I've, I've already mentioned it multiple times, but I just, I can't stress how much I just seem to go all out on Christmas. And this last Christmas, my, I started out with uh, champagne. Uh, we transitioned into wine. Uh, then we transitioned. My dad got me a beer. And my dad is, you know, just as much of a fucking, you know, self-destructionist as I am. Uh, alcoholic, if you will. Um, transitioned into wine. Uh, then we went into, got dabbled in some bourbon. Then we started smoking cigars. All of a sudden, it's 11 p.m., I'm watching the worst football game of all time, Bucks Cardinals, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I remember just sitting there. My dad my dad couldn't even keep up with me at this point, and I'm I'm still just drinking drinking whiskeys, enjoying my Christmas, and it's eleven o'clock. I'm in the semifinals for my fantasy league, and I'm just sitting around, just nobody there, smoking smoking my third cigar of the day. By the way, just wondering. How everything went so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I I go I go off on Christmas, dude, and I, I I haven't realized until recently, but Christmas is one of the most underrated drinking holidays of the year. Um, my family goes hard, and I just recently realized it. Someone pointed out, like people drink a lot on Christmas. I'm like, you are you're dead on. My family fucking goes all out. <laughs> On Christmas, you're spot on, and, and I've got a designated driver here for the last line for yes. these past nine months coming up. Oh my gosh! And so I've been taking full advantage of that, no, no doubt. Uh, I could say the mixing was taking place for sure. The most underrated part, I'll just say it: it's 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 not popular, but the most underrated part about having a pregnant wife always have a designated driver. <laughs> yeah, I had one other one I was thinking of too, like re- today. And if a movie only does $3.5 million and gets an $80 million budget, do I have to boycott seeing it or can I just go see it anyways? Like it's already been boycotted by everybody else. <laughs> what movie? Babylon. So oh, yes. So I just out of, out of, I mean, I love Damien Chazelle, but just out of like principle, I don't want to watch a three hour jerk off Hollywood movie, like Hollywood jerk off movie. Yes. I don't. It's three hours and six minutes. Oh. See, like, you're, you're not gonna see. You're not gonna see this in theaters. I mean, I, I, I oh, fifty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. No way. I, yeah. I just looked it up. Fifty-five percent on Rotten I think, Tomatoes. I think I'm out on it. No I don't way. Know if I'm gonna watch it at home. Three hours. No way. No way. No way. Brad Pitt. And I, and I love Whiplash. I love La La Land. But like, I can't do it. No way. That's too long. Three hours is too long. That's gonna be me- mediocre movie at best. Yeah, it's just a big jerk off movie. Um, I mean, Margot Robbie is she uh, is she a leading actress? Is she a headliner, or is she just Harley Quinn and a really good supporting actress? <laughs> if I didn't have a daughter baking in my wife's belly, I'd say something inappropriate about Margot Robbie right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, hey, uh, one thing I'm going to say about Margot Robbie: uh, the Barbie movie this summer is probably yeah. going to be the best yeah. movie of this summer. It's be so good. <laughs> Her and Gosling. You want to talk about roles you were made for? Her. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's so good. I don't know what what is it Greta uh, Greta Gerwig Greta Gerwig I don't know I don't know what Gerwig has in store for us but the fact that she's even taking this on is incredible uh, the Barbie movie boys I strongly suggest we go and rent some tuxedos like a group yes. of us 
and we just we go to the Barbie movie and we we make we make a whole sports memory thing of it. We're we're like the whole sports memory rents tuxedos and we go and watch the. We got, uh, each each sports memory guy's got to dress as a different Ken. You got to pick a Ken. Honestly, I really I really do us. think we should try to make some content out of this. It'd be pretty funny. Like uh, we, we, we all great. we all rent we all rent fucking tuxedos. We go we go to the theater. We watch it together, and then afterwards we give like our drunken uh, reviews of the Barbie movie. Because honestly, I think it's gonna be spectacular. It's gonna be good. <laughs> it's gonna be really good. All right, boys, that closes out shower thoughts. So let's close on the episode with our our, our ending segment, which is factor cap. Um, factor cap. Mac Jones is a dirty player. Fact. Fact, I hate him for it. Like, I just, like, I, don't, I mean, dirty players is, is one thing. And and obviously there's, you know, plenty of guys who've gotten a bad name. and and But you can't do it as a quarterback because you can't get hit back. Like, you're, it's, it's, I could go on and on about it, but it's one of the biggest reasons why I'm completely out on Mac Jones. I think he's a scumbag and he's, he's a little crybaby when he does get hit. Uh, you know, he rolls his ankle and he looks like he got shot. Uh, we've talked about that before, but yeah, completely out on him. I think he's a piece of trash. He's he's a dirty player. It is major fact. It, we've, the, the tape tells everything in football. You know, the tape don't lie. He's been seen grabbing guys' ankles at the bottom of piles, twisting ankles, diving at this play this past weekend to the player's legs. He sits there and has been bitching and moaning at his coaches now. Even Julian Edelman's been going off on him on different podcasts and segments of the way he's been acting. The guy is not the deal. I've called it from the beginning. I think we have the podcast where I said he'd regress in yards and touchdowns this year, both. Uh, the writing was on the wall for me because I'm also biased against Alabama quarterbacks, which I don't qualify Hurts as such. He's an Oklahoma quarterback, whatever anybody says. But the guy is a fucking dirty player. And and it's a shame, dude, because he had the set the setup to me to, to be successful with that franchise, and he's just been dropping the ball. Fact, and it's weird to even talk about a quarterback as a dirty player. Like, the fact that you're a quarterback and we're talking to you as a dirty player, a guy that, like, is the least likely human being to take a hit in terms of, like, delivering a hit is so weird. The fact that we're even talking about this is weird. Um, The Patriots ought to go out and get Gardner Minshew in the offseason. That's a perfect bridge quarterback for them. I don't think they're going to have a good, good enough pick to... Uh, get their next quarterback with in this draft. I think Gardner Minshew's the perfect guy for them, but it's not Mac Jones. Sorry, it's not. It's is, not. Is it's it? Not. Is it that? And I don't know if you guys saw uh, Mac Jones's interview after, but I read it actually to see what he said about the play. And he talked about how it was a part of the game and how all the guys are trying to come after and hit him as well. And he tried to justify it. And it made me think nothing more than just like when Zach Wilson, just as bad as him not taking ownership for what happened. Yeah, you know, hey, I was on the play and I dove at the guy's legs. Take ownership for it. Say you're sorry, whatever it is. But don't make some bullshit excuse. And it just lets you know this is not the leader of men, not the guy who's going to take your team to the promised land. Same as Zach Wilson. And these two guys are first round duds and it happens all the time people just need to get used to that first round quarterback duds happen all the time in the nfl and for some reason it just seems to be that there's this thing that anytime a guy's taken in the first round he's going to be successful in the nfl now and it's just not true and it's been that way for a long time for sure it's totally agree with all those points um 
just God, something, something about the face. You can see in the Bitch face made. of a man. Just, you, just want to put one of these right down your suck hole. You know, like sometimes you make an accidental face. Like maybe, maybe a camera got you on the wrong moment or something like that. But at some point you make a face so many times that we realize that that's actually your stupid fucking face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Mac Jones is totally at that level. Uh, factor cap. Dolphins collapse and miss the playoffs. Ooh. I'm going to say cap. I don't think that they miss the playoffs, but they'll be out first, first out, no doubt. Tua is trash, called that from the beginning, and we have a running theme here with Alabama quarterbacks, especially ones with noodle arms that uh, their team can't throw a Hail Mary because their quarterback, Mac Jones, can't throw it over 60 yards, and Tua can't throw the freaking ball over 55 yards to Tyreek or Jalen Waddell. It's crazy. I don't think that they'll collapse to the degree where they miss the playoffs. I think they still slide in, but they'll be out in the first round, no doubt. Ooh, this one's hard for me. Um, I want to say cap just because I don't know that the teams behind them are going to be good enough down the stretch to catch them. I would take New England or the Jets to catch them. And I don't know. I don't I don't think that either one of them do. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think that they hold on to it, but I think they're going to lose at least one of the two left and, and kind of slide backwards into the playoffs and, and be an early exit. We talked about those soft-ass quarterbacks, right? And I know that the Jets are bringing in Mike White, but we just talked about as well, banged-up quarterbacks, rib injuries, what's been causing issues with Justin Herbert, and you think Mike White's just going to come back in full-heartedly, no, no problem? I don't think so, man. And again, Mike White is a flash in the pan and he's still an unproven guy for people to think that he's just going to take the Jets to the promised land, I think is just wishful thinking. And I think this is what they, you know, they kind of needed. The Patriots are falling off and the Jets are falling off quite at the right time. And the Dolphins will be able to squeak in there. And I also think that's because of their coach who's, you know, making the best out of Tua. Imagine if he had a top-tier quarterback in that freaking offense with those weapons right now. We wouldn't be talking any mess like this about the Dolphins. The reason we're talking about him right now is because of Tua flat out, and people need to recognize that. Yeah, I'm going to say it's fact, and here's why. Um, the Dolphins... At this point, I just looked at the schedule and changed my mind too. Yeah, the Dolphins uh, end the year with the Jets and the Patriots as as their last two games. Uh, the Jaguars end the year with the Titans and the Texans. Uh, to me, there's no way that they don't win that out. So I think the Jaguars are safe um, without the Titans squeezing in because the Titans are one of the biggest threats. Because if they squeeze in as either the division winner or the wild card, they bump likely bump the Dolphins out if they should encounter some some issues. Um, I think I think they do slide out of the playoffs. I think it's either going to be the Jets or the Pats that slide in straight up. Um, yep. I don't like this Dolphins team. I really don't. Uh, and with Tua just went into con- concussion protocol again. He might not be playing. So we might be having a backup quarterback for the Dolphins going forward. Um, Tua's whole season might be in jeopardy. This is the third time he's been in concussion protocol. That is not a good look for the NFL. And as we know, the NFL is all about optics. If they want to make it so that there's a situation where Tua doesn't even have the choice to start or not, they will. 
You know what's interesting about that too? Is the play in question that looks most likely to have caused it. People re- reviewed it. Uh, a couple of fans bookmarked it in real time. They saw it. Hey, I'm going to remember this play. Happened in the second quarter. <sighs> Woof. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah, dude. Sometimes you need to know when to say when, and sometimes the fighter doesn't know when to do it, and the corner has to throw in the towel for him. And the NFL is going to end up being those people who step in and stop that from happening now. After all the lawsuits and all these people who want pet, like all these different things from the NFL, they're just going to take precautionary measures at that point. They might even force you to sit out a full year. Hey, you're like a medical red shirt almost if you suffer so many concussions within an X period of time. Right. I mean, they're going to have to do something because the optics are so bad and everybody is aware of it now you know back in the day it was get up pussy you know this is a tough game and you get knocked down sometimes you got to get up now it's like oh shit that person's brain is turning into mush and a small car crash just happened like the actual reality of it is known to everybody now and it's not so barbaric in everybody's mind when they see it they know that there's a problem so Derek I'll just ask you because you said um you said cap uh Provided Teddy Bridgewater starts the rest of the year, do you think they still get in? I don't. Now that I, now that I looked at it, I, I think there's a very good chance they lose head to head to the Patriots and then they lose uh, to the Jets. And New England play obviously they'd win against Miami, and then they would play the Buffalo Bills, who depending on ranking and and, and kind of where they sit in the standings may rest everybody. Yep. Uh, definitely probably rest Josh Allen. So you know they might get a, an easy win there, or they might not need it. You know, they might end up with a tiebreaker um, based on the head-to-head result. Yep. I think it's a blessing in disguise, man, because I I think Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Tua. You know, people can debate that all they want. um, But to me, I think the product's been out there on film for both of them enough. And I would trust Teddy Bridgewater with that offense more than I would Tua. And I think it'll work out for him in the long run just to at least get him into the playoffs. Like I said, I believe they make a first-round exit. But they're going to fill into that spot. And I think they beat the Patriots and the Jets in both of those matchups. Those quarterbacks, Mac Jones is hot trash. The only thing they got to worry about is is tough defenses there. But they do have the wide receivers that I think can exploit those defenses and put the points on the board. And the Dolphins just, by the skin of their chinny hairs and the chinny-chin-chin, they'll slip in. Mike, Mike White has for the next two games the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Mike White come back for the Jets after all of Zach, all, after how horrible Zach Wilson has been this year. I think it's an interesting, like, triumphant return. The Jets might just rally around them and win both games. I don't know. Well, and it's funny how he gets matched up, though, with the worst defenses all the time when he gets inserted into the offense. That was one thing I kept trying to bring people down to earth with Mike White is that when he came in for those two games, he played, I think, two of the, like, worst top, like, top five worst defenses in the leagues when he put up 300-plus yards and touchdowns. And anything's better than Zach Wilson, don't get me wrong. But these flash-in-the-pan guys, once you get film on them, they get dissected. And there's a reason why, you know, scouts aren't just idiots in the NFL. There's a reason those guys get paid big money. And, yeah, they let some guys slip through the cracks. But dudes like Mike White, he's not just going to step up and be the savior of the Jets. I'm sorry for any Jets fans who think that's happening because it ain't. I, I got to disagree a little bit with you because his last game was against Buffalo and he passed for 264 yards against them while getting hurt like 20 times in one game. That was a game that he had to literally be rushed to the hospital 
So he's, yeah, well, weren't they behind that behind that whole game? Weren't they coming from behind in that last fourth quarter? I thought I remember. Yeah, they but were they only lost. By- they only lost twelve to twenty in that game, and uh, Mike White was twenty seven for forty four for two hundred and sixty four yards. Like Mike White was really good, but he kept getting hurt. Consistently got hurt. Joe Flacco came in twice. Twenty seven for forty for forty four or fit. What'd you say? Twenty seven for forty four. Sixty-one percent completion rating, not not great, but it's against Buffalo. Um, Joe Flacco literally came into the game twice and fumbled both times. <laughs> Joe Flacco shouldn't even be on a roster. That, my dogs, my dogs collecting checks. That's all I'm saying is uh, Mike White did that while you know. So he's yeah. and, and then he. Played. I don't want to diminish the guy. I just think he he's a top tier backup. I think he'd be a good guy to have on your team. But to think that he's going to lead a franchise or be a starting guy to me, I think that's just, you know, it's just hype to me. And I, I love the hype. Don't get me wrong. I love an underdog story and a guy that gets thrusted into this limelight. But I think we saw it in Mike White before with the Jets. You know, what was that, like two years ago or a year ago or so when he got thrusted into the, it might be two years ago, I think. But either way, I, I just think it's on tape for him. He can come in and give you a splash, but that's not going to be the guy to lead the Jets to the promised land. They need to ditch Zach Wilson. If they think it's Mike White, sure, to keep him around for a solid backup and draft the next guy, then great, so be it. But the Jets and the and as long as the Jets are being led by him and Mac Jones being leading the Patriots, I think the Dolphins are going to be just fine going into the playoffs. Sure. You go. I met your quote on the word thrust. You're not allowed to use it anymore. <laughs> Did I say thrust? Yeah, between between that, Mike White, and then uh, our conversation around Staley, I think we're all yep. out of thrust. <laughs> no more thrust. No more. Staley thrust. took the thrust all out of yeah, everybody. Yeah, he, he he really hit our hit our quota hard. <laughs> yes, we did. All right, factor cap the Packers rally for a wild card. I think they do not. No chance. That's a big cap. Um, I think they just need too much. They they, they they took too long to kind of figure it out and come on. Um, I think the Giants still kind of, they're in the driver's seat there. And I, I think they, they get the job done and, and get in. Uh, I will say fact, because the Giants are skept- skeptical as F for me. With When you got Daniel Jones at quarterback right now, it He's, I guess, proven to be okay this year and with the bowl. But I think that Aaron Rodgers and the mysticism of the ayahuasca ceremony is going to come to fruition and bring them in to the playoff picture. And it's going to be glorious, dude. I I honestly do believe it's going to happen. And I love it because Aaron Rodgers called it out in the press conference when everybody was asking him if he's going to, you know, sit out the rest of the year and let Jordan Love get his reps. And he goes, I'm going to play as long as we have a chance to make the playoffs. And something about that moment and that press conference there, it's got a TiVo-esque vibe when he was at Florida. And not to say that they're going to go to win the championship or anything, but man, if they make the playoffs, that is impressive as fuck. Coming from the back-to-back MVP, Aaron Rodgers, who's considered ailing and aging and all this stuff, dude. It would just be badass, and I'm rooting for it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think it will happen which means it will definitely probably happen because every time I've ever counted out the Bucks or the Packers in my entire life, they always seem to do it. Um, but I, I truly don't believe it will happen, um, which again, it's definitely going to happen. The Vikings are definitely gonna, <laughs> the, the, the Vikings are definitely going to lose to the Packers next week. The Packers are going to somehow rally in the final game. 
uh, win against it's against who the the Lions, right? Their final week. Oh, I don't yes. know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Pretty sure. Yeah, that that just seems like the apropos ending that will propel the Packers somehow or thrust the Packers <laughs> into the playoffs. <laughs> All right, dude. Whoever wrote these uh, factor caps, you did a really good job. Straight up, uh, Panthers. What? No, seriously, uh, Panthers will win the South. This is. These are all great topics. Panthers will win the South. This is the most exciting storyline in all sports. Straight up. How is yep. this possible? How is this possible? The Panthers are in a legitimate contention to win the South. Straight up. All right. Factor cap. I think we're at the point of the year where momentum matters. And and the, the Panthers are heading in one direction and the Bucks are heading in a very different direction. Right. Um, in order to get there, the, the Panthers need to be the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers yep, and the ever ailing New Orleans Saints. Yep. And I think they do it. I think they win both games and get in. Yeah. Cap, cap, cap. God damn it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. There ain't nothing more. There's, like, the most impressive thing about this is how many games the Panthers and the Falcons have won this year. Okay, not just like the Bucks sucking is the headline for the NFC South, but who had both of these teams at this record right now? I don't think anybody did. I think everybody had these guys around three to four wins total for the entirety of the year. So kudos to the coaches who took over, especially the guy in, with the Carolina Panthers who took over after Matt Rule's chaotic freaking mess. Uh, that's the big storyline to me. Well, say but, no more actually on that topic and, and just continue on outside of the coaching aspect so we can get to our next factor cap. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. no, 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 no. Literally, you'll, well, you'll see what I'm saying in a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you're... Well, anyways, you know the Bucks are going to win the NFC South. Yep. It's no question yep. that Tom Brady's coming in and, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm also going with you, Kurt. I'm going cap. Um, I think I think Tom Brady at home with the Bucks. W- listen, they play the Panthers this week. It's going to be a gross game. We all know it is. It's going to be hard to watch. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be stupid. But in the end, Tom Brady's going to come back in the fourth quarter or the overtime, whatever it takes, and the Bucks are going to win this game because Brady. I think you know, like you said, Curdy. He, he's so inaccurate for some reason, but he's still got a gun. Like I, I know, I know we can't keep the Bucks alive like we have been all year on life support, saying that some sometime this team's going to come back. But if there's any guy that can fucking do it, it's Tom Brady. And has any guy shown you that when you think he's done, he's not even close to being done? I'm so tired of saying that this guy's done. I've been fooled. Probably what? Realistically, I've probably said Tom Brady is done five times in his career, straight up, like five don't times. Don't be Kellerman, dude. Don't be don't be Max Kellerman. But <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying is I'm not ready to say that he's done. He's not done. I have a feeling. I have a sneaking suspicion that this guy's gonna play for another two fucking years, and that Tom Brady is far from done. I think the Bucks get it done. What they do in the playoffs, that's the most intriguing thing. And they have two games to somehow develop somewhat of a hot streak. And they just got to win this game this weekend. And they're in. So I, I think the Bucs get it done, 
Um, so the reason I was silencing you on that one point, Kurt, is because of our next factor cap. I just Steve, looked. Steve, <laughs> Steve Wilkes has earned the head coaching job for the Panthers. Well, let me let me just say it's fact he earned it, but Cap he's gonna get it. Uh, you could have argued the same thing for the Texans interim coach last year, who took a absolute dumpster fire, not only from a PR point point, but a roster standpoint, and made the Texans an actual okay team last year. You know, I think Wilkes has done the same with the Panthers and has earned that spot. And unfortunately, he's gonna get that interview and not get the job. And they're going to do a big mainstream hire because that's what all the teams are going to do. None of these small time guys are going to get that look. And it's unfortunate because I think they could make a big splash. Uh, Dan Campbell was that guy for me who nobody thought could be a head coach and thought he'd be a couple years and done with the lions. Um, and I think these guys can actually have relevance with the players where some of these other coaches, they just have no tact with the players. They have no connection, no base with them. Um, and Wilkes could do that for the franchise, but it's not going to be him, unfortunately. I think he's earned it. <clears throat> and I hope he gets a, a legitimate consideration through the interview process. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure he gets it. Uh, same kind of vibe, same kind of reason. Um, he, he was a head coach not that long ago. He was the predecessor to Cliff Kingsbury, went 3-13 and 13 with that Cardinals team. Granted, it was a pretty bad Cardinals team. Um, it was before uh, Kyler Murray. But I, I, I think that, you know, we, we look at, talk about, you know, the, what the different uh, kind of trends are in the NFL and looking for that, that young, excited new blood and that, you know, the offensive-minded head coach. And Wilkes doesn't check those boxes, unfortunately. Um, so I could see them. And, and again, it's the Carolina Panthers. Them doing the, the probably the, the most reasonable thing isn't going to be my first guess. Uh, so I'll say he probably doesn't get it, but I definitely think he's earned it. He's definitely earned it. And just for all the reasons you said, he's not going to get it. There's going to be too many eligible bachelors, if you will, in terms of coaches. There's a lot of coordinators that are jumping off the map this year. Um, yeah. And with this new mold of uh, Kevin O'Connell was only an offensive coordinator for three seasons. The guy's not even 40. He played in the NFL till he was 30. You do the math on that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, he's only been a coach for like six years, been a coordinator. He just won his 12th game. Mike McDaniels, equally, he's been in the NFL forever, but like not, not a heavy coordinating, you know, experience. Turn, turn the Dolphins around. Like, what we're going to see over the next couple of years is an even harder gambling on new coaches in the NFL and guys just rolling the dice on 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 young just minds. And I think it's yeah. the I think Wilkes it's the will right be fifty four. Yeah, so. exactly. I think it's the right move. And hey, guy that's fifty four. How many times? How many times has that worked out? A guy in their first shot fifty four. Mike Zimmer is one of the oldest coaches to like ever get his like first shot at 59. How'd that work out? It worked out pretty yep. good at the beginning and then he just kind of disintegrated. So I'm I'm just saying like I, I totally agree he's he's earned it, but in the current environment, you got these coaches doing what they're doing, you can't do it. Can't do it. Dude, the, the new Panthers owner is a billionaire freaking big time. He's not going to give him the job. He, nope, he's not. I want the biggest, the best, 
the bright spotlight. That's what it's going to be. And, and like I said, it's unfortunate for guys like that because I do think they can make maybe a bigger impact than some. It just depends. You know, everybody thought Urban Meyer was that big impact hire and was going to be this guy in Florida who brings all the talent in. He was in Gainesville and it completely backfires on you. And you see that happen more than not. But uh, these guys want to take big shot gambles and I get it. I understand. This is a team that, I mean, they traded their franchise player. They want it. They want it to be bad. Yeah. They like did not want to be in this situation. Um, I think they want to make a big, sexy coach hire and have that be kind of the the, the, I, the temporary face of the franchise. I think they wish Wilkes lost more games. One hundred percent. They probably behind closed doors are probably pissed. He did <laughs> they so probably good. spite for him sure. more for winning these this many games. He has not done them any favors because at the end of the day, <laughs> hey, but weirdly enough, Sam Darnold looks decent. <laughs> Dude, kind of he's so young. Look, I, I I don't mean to go off in a tailwind, but we are so quick to throw out these young quarterbacks, and these kids are coming in the league right now, starting at like twenty one fucking years old, dude. That was never expected in the NFL. And you sound like uh, like Sala. Sala had all those things to say about about Zach Wilson. We throw these kids out too quick. We give up too quick, and then one week later, he, he deactivated him. From the so roster. then, hold on, <laughs> yep. let me counter you. What do you say about Geno Smith then? Uh, first round draft pick, uh, and, and now he's sitting there balling with the team that we all dogged. I mean, I don't think he's playing that well, honestly. But as he, of late, I'll, he's I'll tell you what he's really doing. He's making me. He's making me really mad because he's making me second guess every opinion I've ever had on Pete Carroll, and I fucking hate him. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's just dude, the point is, is that these guys are young as fuck, and they're yeah. getting thrown to the fire, and they still have a lot of game in them. And whether that all you need is a year, hell, a quarterback just needs to get you to a Super Bowl one year and win it for you one year. And whether that's the greatest season ever or it's just because they've been through a lot of shit like Trent Dilfer did and you have a great defense. Who knows, dude? But these guys are young kids and, and, and Sam, or I'm um, sorry, uh, Dalton or Darnold. He is one of the youngest kids that was drafted ever. I think he got drafted in at 20 years old or something like that. And now what? He's twenty four. Yeah, I, 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 I give him a shot, man. I, let him keep going. Geno Smith is proof that sometimes when you mouth off and get your jaw broken and have to sit on the bench for five years, you can become a great player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Geno Smith, like literally, his beginning of his career was comical. Like w when you heard that Geno Smith's jaw literally got broken because one of his own teammates punched him in the face. Yeah. I was I was out on the guy who wouldn't be like as your quarterback like mouthing off and getting punched in the face by a teammate like good, kudos for Gino but like I I, I don't know I, don't I know. guess my point is it just happens to a lot of guys I'm not I use Gino as sure. a guy who was a first round pick who saw success this year that nobody thought the Seahawks would ever see everybody again another team that was supposed to be two three win team max. And they haven't been. And the offense has been fire, dude. It, again, it's just one of those things where these first-round guys, it, you never know what you're going to get at the end of the day. Sure. No, I totally agree. And I just realized we've, we've now got 90 minutes, so let's finish this off. Factor cap, Mike Tomlin will have his first losing season this year. I mean, for me, it's cap. Just look at the schedule. They have the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, I think they win both of those games. You know, Ravens without Lamar are, are not a very good football team. And uh, Sean Watson does not look good. No. The Browns look even worse. So I think he wins both to close it out and finishes with a nice 9-8 and eight record. 
Ooh, nine and eight. So I mean, that's what nice. the math puts him at, right? Yep, it does. Yep. I will call it calf as well. Mike Tomlin, the OG, the most consistent coach, future Hall of Famer, yeah. absolute Steeler legend. Yeah. Like you'd have to be an absolute fool to hate this yeah. guy. Like I just don't get it, man. Because as a Bucks fan, you miss the playoffs every year, just mm. out and out, always missing, never playing for the dance. And Mike Tomlin puts you there every fucking year, even with dog scrap teams. And he's gonna do it again this year. He's gonna here's, make sure here's my argument. you don't make the playoffs, but he's gonna make that over five hundred record, and it's gonna be a beautiful. And I got a couple Yinzers right now who yeah. need to hear this. Well, yeah, this is all for the Yinzers. This is like it's, this is like Yinzer hate porn right now, where we're putting on. <laughs> the thing secretly, about Mike Tomlin is, who, of the available coaches, who would you rather have? And let me tell you why you're wrong. Like you're not going to trade him for any available coach right now. No. The the Yinzers secretly get a boner when I start talking about the accolades of Mike Tomlin and how he should be a forever Steeler coach. And forever. when his contract should run out, when he says it runs out, and exactly. those Steeler fans need to hear it. Name your right price, here, Tomlin. Right now. Name your price. Bla- blank check with from yep. the ownership group yenzers get your shit together mike tomlin og oh dude that was that was quite the troll sesh kurt i actually applaud you for that that, that was really good and i agree with you mike tomlin should probably be declared emperor of pittsburgh because if if my if my Master pittsburgh if, if my pittsburgh fans are any indication the obsession with this guy i want him to get fucking fired at this point cuz i'm so Dumb with it's all they bring up. It's all they bring up. When the Steelers win, by the way, guys, the Steelers win last week. I think they did. You'll never hear anything about nothing, nothing about nothing about anything Tomlin did. Forget about it. And dude, I, I, I'm actually like legitimately in the agreement that Tomlin should be fired at this point, just because I'm sick of fucking hearing about him, dude. I'm sick of Yinzers complaining about Mike Tomlin. I want them to experience exactly what they're experiencing right now with the shitty quarterback because they don't remember what a shitty quarterback is. Oh, now thank you, Seven. Now they're going to learn what a shitty quarterback is for years to come. For years to come, Yinzers are going to understand what that's like. So maybe we should compound that bad luck with also the other bad luck that every other franchise suffers for for decades, which is having a shitty coach. So, yes, I hope the Steelers move on from Mike Tomlin. I really do. Fire him and bring him to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Put Todd Bolds back at coordinator and bring Tomlin back to Tampa Bay. Guess what? Seriously, Where he started sense. on the Tony Dungy tree believe it or not. So it could come full circle where Tomlin comes back home to Tampa Bay to rest and keep bringing us back to the playoffs again and again and again. If those Yenzers are going to take you for granted, <laughs> baby. Serious. Actually, I never even thought of the books. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's the dungy tree, baby. That's the dungy tree. Makes a lot of sense. All right, boys. Any closing thoughts? Hey man, bucks are going to close down the NFC South. We're making it happen. Don't let Brady get a light at the end of the tunnel because you've seen him in the past. Could add another Super Bowl ring. Fire the cannons, baby. <laughs> Derek? I mean, I can't follow it up. <laughs> I can't either. All right, boys. Good night. <laughs>